and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we have the pleasure of having Jennifer Woodward back on our podcast. She talks a lot about hormones and diet, nutrition. She's a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and we're excited to have her back on to talk about hormones and insomnia. Jennifer, welcome to our show. Thank you. Great to see you guys again. How's it going? It's going great. Janet, what do you want to talk about when we introduce insomnia mm. and hormones? I bet you have a comment on that. Oh, man. I, You know what? I feel like this is like one of the top problems for women. Would you not think that as well, Jennifer, that this is something that is a major issue? It is one of the things I get off, asked most, most often about, for sure. Well, I mean, one thing we see quite often is, you know, we see a 40-year-old woman come into our office and, and she hasn't been able to sleep for a couple of years and she's on all kinds of different medications for either anxiety or sleep, Ambien, lorazepam, Xanax, you name it. And then you start asking her some history and it's like, so when did you start having sleep issues? Well, you know, when I was 42 and I started having some irregular cycles and it's like, oh, well, bingo. I mean, this must be hormone related. You don't lack Ambien. I know I'm being cynical, but I kind of have to sometimes. So Jennifer, will you discuss that? That is one of my favorite things to say and think about. Also, Sean is, yeah, your, your sleep issues are not an Ambien deficiency. It's so, so true. There's got to be an underlying mechanism as to why these women aren't sleeping. And, and sometimes, you know, I will hear from men that aren't sleeping, but I would say 90% of the time it's women who are having trouble sleeping in their late thirties, early forties, mid fifties. That tends to be the time when this hits a woman's body. And I also love to tell my clients, it takes a lot of energy to sleep well. So if we do not have energy in our reserves, mitochondrial energy, cellular energy, we are not going to be able to sleep well at night. And for women as well, and, and men, right? Every every living being, um, you know, good sleep at night starts first thing in the morning. So that's the other thing that so many women don't realize is that during the day, they're setting themselves up to either sleep really well at night or to sleep poorly at night. We can definitely go into what that looks like. But suffice it to say that women who are overstressed and overworked and undernourished are absolutely going to be underslept because they just won't be able to have the stress hormone profile that they need to fall asleep and stay asleep. Yes, Jan, I bet you have some comments yeah, on that. Yeah, I, I see that very often that um, cortisol is peaking at the wrong time. And so lifestyle plays a huge role. And so it isn't just the hormones. I mean, the hormones play together. Um, but there is some other things that we need to do throughout the day. And I agree with that because you'll see people that they may wake up with some energy. But man, by midday, they're just crashed or they're peaking at bedtime in their cortisol when they should be the other way around. Oh, I definitely see that too. That flipped diurnal cortisol pattern is the bane of so many women's existence. And, you know, a lot of us women will kind of slowly set ourselves up for that flipped diurnal cortisol pattern, which is just as Janet was saying, you know, elevated cortisol levels at night. Cortisol is our wake 
hormone, um, not just our stress hormone, but also our get up and go hormone, and then elevated daytime melatonin levels. So we're seeing a lot of brain fog and a lot of lethargy in our women because we can actually, you know, measure whether or not they have this sleepy hormone melatonin in their brains during the day, which is the opposite of what we want, right? So, you know, it is a, a whole host of reasons that can get women to that stage. Again, not eating enough good food, right? Being way, way overstressed, never allowing their body to get back into balance from autonomic nervous system dysfunction, whether it's in a fight or flight, that their cortisol levels are never going to come down, or they're so far parasympathetic where they've gone into almost this hibernation stage, you know, and their bodies just don't have that metabolic energy that they need in order to, again, sleep well, because it takes a lot of calories to sleep well. It takes a lot of energy to sleep well. And if we just don't have those reserves, then the body can't fall into a deep night's sleep. Well, and we talk about it quite often. We talk about you know, humans being diurnal creatures who are meant to be active during the day and are meant to sleep at night. And there's really three things that we can do to keep our bodies healthy. And that's sleep, diet, and exercise. Mm. And I believe those are an order of importance. Um, without sleep, you can exercise all you want. But if you're not sleeping, you're not ever going to get stronger, faster, or in better shape because your body needs to recover when you sleep. And you all the good food you want. Um, but the food that we eat, fuel for our bodies and the building blocks for our bodies really is at night when we recover, when we're sleeping is when that food is building up, building yeah. all of our body. Yeah. And you bring up a great point there, Sean, that we are diurnal creatures. We are meant to be active during the day. We are meant to be restful at night. And how many of us are doing the opposite in our lives? You know, we are active at night. I can't tell you the number of women that tell me, well, I don't go to bed till 12 or one because that's my me time. Like that's the only time that I have quiet or that's when I'm getting stuff done around the house or that's when I'm answering emails because the rest of the day is so busy, but that's the only time these women think that they have, you know, a quiet moment to themselves. So we've pushed into that rest and digest phase of our, you know, parasympathetic nervous system that should be really, you know, calm at night. It should be calm after, you know, 10 PM, but ramping it up through extra work or answering emails, or even just watching TV or scrolling through your phone, you know, is going to keep you in that fight or flight mode, keep your cortisol elevated. And that makes it damn near impossible to get to sleep. You know, if you've got elevated yeah. levels of cortisol, it's not that your mind is racing. It's not you necessarily that is preventing you from getting to sleep. It's your, it's your hormones. You know, your, your chemical messengers are sending the wrong signal, which is, Hey, it's 12 PM. It's, it's noon. Like, let's go do something instead of let's get ready for bed and start, you know, releasing melatonin and calming the nervous system so that we can get, we can get to sleep. So we talk about being diurnal and you talk about being, it's, you know, our sleep starts when we first get up in the morning. So let's go through what should be a healthy pattern to mm -hmm. start you to get good sleep at night. Let's start within the morning when you get up. Fantastic. So first thing that you're going to want to do is get early sunlight exposure as early as possible. Again, if we're looking at some of those ancestral patterns that I know that both of you Needhams love, right? We, we have to get that early morning sun exposure. That's what our ancestors did. And that's what we need to do. So the pineal gland is going to recognize, you know, that we're getting that full spectrum wavelength of all the lights, all, every single light on the, the wavelength, the light spectrum. And it's going to start realizing that the body now needs to begin producing its daytime hormones, cortisol. 
So activating, you know, that pineal gland to know that, hey, it is morning outside instead of just going straight into an LED lit room or straight in front of a screen is going to be very important to set up the hormone cascade for that diurnal cortisol pattern. The other thing that you're going to want to do is start eating something, you know, like uh, there is a case for intermittent fasting and really healthy people, but oftentimes women who are complaining of sleep issues are not really healthy people, right? They're often eating far too few calories, too few, you know, grams of fat, way too few, um, you know, grams of protein, oftentimes under eating carbohydrates as well. They're, they're just malnourished. And so getting a good breakfast, a blood sugar balancing breakfast, including animal protein, First thing in the morning, 30 minutes after eating is very helpful for, for setting up proper hormone balance and proper sleep balance later on in the day. The other thing I really encourage my clients to do is push actively into your rest throughout the day as much as you're pushing into to being productive, right? So scheduling in on your, literally scheduling in on your calendar, you know, 10 minutes to do a breath work, uh, you know, a little, a breath work break, some box breathing. 10 minutes to lay outside in your backyard and just get off your devices and get some sun and get some rest. If we're not able to achieve that autonomic nervous system balance throughout the day, if we're, if we're constantly pushing ourselves to stay in that fight or flight sympathetic mode, then it's impossible for the body to suddenly switch and, you know, turn the off switch and get into parasympathetic mode, that rest and digest mode. So I'm, I'm encouraging my clients, you know, all throughout the day, how can we get that nervous system balance. Like how can we start rewiring the brain and, you know, the hormone system to actually get that nervous system balance and get out of fight or flight mode. So eating does that. Breathing does that deep breathing. Um, you know, resting does that. And again, you have, if you're not, you know, complicit in being active in pursuing your rest and nervous system balance, then the default mode for most women is going to be, you know, fight or flight sympathetic mode. And they're just not going to sleep well. Absolutely. That, that was good. Um, Janet, do you have anything to add to that or any questions about that? Uh, well, I, I'll add to this that I think one of the things that women forget is that um, if we don't take care of ourselves, then our family is going to suffer. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to women about this, you know, we do need to have to give ourselves the right and the freedom. So there's no guilt because I think a lot of times it's always, oh, I need to do this and I need to do that. And that to-do list becomes enormous. And many people just try to push through that. And I think there's just, you got to give yourself permission. It's okay. It's, it's not wrong to take that time to yourself. And a lot of times I think you're actually more productive throughout the day when you do take those 10 minutes or that half hour or whatever it needs to be just to relax and to regather yourself because what we think is so important right in the instant may not always be so true. A hundred percent agree with you on that. And you know, if you think about you can it, tell, you can tell she's a mom, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I feel you, Janet. <laughs> and, and that was good, kind of going to be my analogy. It was going to be a mom analogy. Like I have a 16 year old daughter 
if my 16 year old daughter comes to me and she's done this, you know, a couple of times and she just starts crying, like she's not a crier, but she comes to me and she is crying um, because she is so overwhelmed by sports and school and work and friends. I mean, there are just a million little things on this, on this 16 year old's mind and her, her body just can't handle it. Like it starts to break down. So if she comes to me crying from being, you know, overstressed, like I'm not going to go tell her, Hey, make another list and do another chore. Right. I'm going to be like, you know, let's have a snack. Let's have a, a back rub and let's get you to bed early. And women won't do that for themselves. They'll do it for other people, but they won't do it for themselves. And, you know, that's obviously going to do a lot better, you know, a lot more good for my daughter than just pushing her when she's already, you know, kind of pushed beyond her, her, her max and her capacity. And so my encouragement is, is just like yours, Janet, you know, if we cannot, take care of ourselves? How are we going to take care of all of those people who depend on us? And it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel natural because women are so used to being stuck in that, that really like, you know, addictive. It's like the cortisol, it's a steroid hormone. It's addictive, very physically addictive for us to be stressed out all the time. We like it. Our bodies like it. But if we are not able to disengage from that, you know, then we're not going to be able to sleep well. And, and just to kind of come full circle there, I know Sean, you did ask me like, what would you do all day long? So I, I kind of got up, I think till probably like, you know, seven o'clock uh, at night. But then I, I also really love my girls to take an Epsom salt bath. I think we've talked about this before, just getting that transdermal magnesium, getting the trace minerals through Epsom salt, getting that hot, hot bath where you literally can't do anything else. You can't do the dishes if you're in the bath. So that's one of the other benefits of taking a bath. And Put your also- phone away. You put your phone away, right? I do. I let my phone be next to me, but it's only because I am listening to Asian Zen spa meditation on Pandora. That's the only reason. (laughs) And then, you know, that, that increase of body temperature, taking a hot bath, increasing your body temperature, just a few degrees is then later, you know, within 30 minutes is going to allow that body temperature to then subsequently lower, which allows your body to to put itself into deep sleep. We have to have a decrease of two degrees of body temperature in order to fall asleep and stay asleep well. So the Epsom salt bath kind of artificially does that for a body that isn't naturally already in those sleep rhythms. Another reason I love an Epsom salt bath. Finally, finish it up with like a Kindle paper white or a magazine or a book, you know, nothing like too too scary, right? <laughs> or too right. <laughs> action oriented. Some, you know, I like I like the gentle fiction um, genre before bed. You know, I read other stuff during the day, but I just want my brain to turn off at night. So a little bit of, you know, literally turning your brain off with some some easy reading. These can be really great things to do to get a good night's sleep. And let's also add on there about. Well, I guess we'll just finish it off. You're talking about temperature, and. You know, I know I did research a few years ago and heard the same thing that, you know, our bodies sleep better when it's three to four degrees cooler. So we actually, I mean, almost every night our air conditioner runs in our house, even in the winter, to cool our house down to like 66 degrees because that's what we sleep at. And last night I overrode it for a while because we were kind of up and around and it was 71 degrees and I couldn't sleep. Yeah, it was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bugging me and saying, can you sleep? I'm like, no, it's too hot. So there's something to be said about that. And once yeah. the temperature got down to 66, I could sleep a lot better. Wow. I think there's, a, there's something to be said about that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's a very interesting experiment that you're in, that you saw the difference like that quick. Yeah. And the other thing we do is we start turning lights down. Like mm-hmm. our lights aren't 
bright, you know, as a certain time of the day, you know, in the evening, you just have left less lights. And I think that does cue you in. I mean, our brain needs to have cues. And so the less light and I think the phone and the computer, is it blue lights? I believe that is what's triggering us there. So, you know, the less you do that right before going to bed, I think that that helps tremendously. And, and I think, you know, ancestrally speaking, you know, if you think about what our bodies were, unless you lived at the equator where it's pretty much always the same temperature, although it does cool off at night, it makes sense. It gets dark at night. It cools off at night. That's when our body should be sleeping. So it makes total sense. Yep. Yeah. I, I just love coming on the show and talking with you guys about ancestral living because it is just so much fun for me. But if you, if you continue, you know, with that thought process, like, I mean, 200 years ago, my grandmother could not stay up until 12 in the morning or one in the morning. Like she probably had more things to do than I did taking care of a household and a farm and children. But physically she wasn't able to do that. I mean, it wasn't cheap to burn candles or like be one of the first people in your neighborhood to have the Edison bulb. Right. So when the sun went down, naturally people's rhythms responded. Everything slowed down a little bit. The only thing to do, you know, was to go to bed or light a candle and read for a little bit. You just couldn't be productive. And I think that was you know, such a wisdom. Um, the natural processes of just, just our ancestors for, you know, millennia um, is so much, so much wiser than, than right. what we, you know, force ourselves to do today, because I know you guys see this in your, your practice all the time. And in the pharmacy, like we, we are not keeping up with the demands that modern society places on us and, and women, especially perimenopausal women, I think are taking the brunt of that. Like we, we are still very hormonally sensitive beings thrust into this environment. That's kind of like the wild west, you know, of, of technology and our hormones just aren't responding well. And sleep's one of the first cries for the body to tell us, Hey, things are not okay here. Well, and let's talk a little bit more, get more specific about hormones. When when I think of sleep, and Jan and I go over many times a day with women, when I think of sleep and I think of hormones, I think of progesterone. Do you have anything to add to that, Janet? Um, yeah, I, I work with progesterone, but also melatonin. Well, of course. Yeah, I, I think those two go hand in hand. Because um, I feel like when we get, especially our perimenopausal women, there's such a imbalance that starts happening with some of them between their estrogen and progesterone. And so I have found that progesterone simply helps. And, and I, I agree with you also nutrient wise, I, I'm, I'm sure magnesium plays a big role with that too. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely see the same thing. I mean, when we're running like a salivary hormone panel or, or a Dutch test, if a woman tells me she's not sleeping, I can almost, you know, predict yeah. I'd say 75, 90% of the time, progesterone, you know, progesterone is going to act on the same receptors in the brain, um, you know, that, that, that sleepy hormones like GABA are also going to act on and, and mm -hmm. progesterone is very calming. It's not just calming for the body and the nervous system, it's calming for the brain, you know, and the brain has to be in kind of a sedative state in order for us to go to sleep. And so I've seen it work numerous times that just by doing some, you know, topical or oral progesterone, a woman's brain can calm down enough to allow her to sleep. Um, and that's not just like a quick fix. Like, don't just go ask her. I'm not a doctor, so I can't diagnose, treat or prescribe. Right. Um, you guys are doctors. So you can't diagnose, treat or prescribe, but we're, you know, pharmacists. we're pharmacists. So we don't, but, but we, we make those recommendations right, so we recommend very often. 
Right. But just don't go willy nilly, you know, like asking for progesterone. It's always right to test first if you guys are listening to this, but it definitely like, as Janet said, this could be one of the main reasons why a perimenopausal woman might not be able to sleep because her progesterone levels just tend to sink so low so quickly in perimenopause that it could be a shock for the body. Um, you know, and, and sleep again is one of the, the main cries that something is wrong hormonally. Yeah. And I guess I talk about progesterone, although melatonin, when we think about true sleep hormone, melatonin is probably the most important, but typically we don't see, we see problems manifest, at least when they come to see us in, in, in women's forties and fifties. And that's usually when their progesterone levels are, are start, starting to fluctuate and um, maybe have some cycling issues and, and, um, you know, a little bit of oral progesterone can usually help them. I prefer oral progesterone because when we swallow progesterone, our liver metabolizes it directly into allopregnitolone, which is a neurohormone, which helps to modulate GABA, which helps to an inhibitory. Um, so it helps to calm us down. So that's why we recommend a lot of oral progesterone for any woman that has sleep problems. Love that. And that could just be so helpful to have, you know, professionals like you guys sharing that information with people instead of just saying like, Oh, you know, ask your doctor about Ambien or, you know, pill or just, you know, whatever it is. Cause as you guys brought up in the beginning, it, it's probably not, you know, a sleep, a sleeping pill deficiency. There really are some root causes. So that's the other thing that I think a, a lot of women don't realize they don't have to accept insomnia as normal. Because at this point in their life, you know, late 30s to early 50s, man, women are still raising children. They're taking care of parents. They're working professionally and probably like toward the top of their game professionally. And they're just very, very busy. And a lot is expected out of them. So for a woman who's doing so much to also not be able to sleep can be really, um, it pulls a lot of hope away, you know, from your life. If you realize, like I, I speak personally, you know, from personal experience that, you know, the nights, it was nine months, nine months of insomnia for me after the birth of my third child. And I began to get panic attacks. Like my heart would start fluttering and I'd start to break out in a sweat and start feeling panicky. Like when I would just walk past the bedroom door to my room during the day, knowing that I wouldn't be able to sleep that night. Like it, that's, that's how ingrained that sleeplessness was in me. And I did begin to lose hope. Like I've, I've not been that depressed and anxious ever again in my life um, as when sleep was taken from me. So I know firsthand just how devastating it can be to not be able to sleep when you have to care for, you know, your family. Um, so I just hope that women realize like it's not normal. It's common, but not normal to not be able to sleep. And there are definitely things that you can do about it from a hormonal perspective to get that sleep back online. I sleep great now, most nights. Well, that's a really good point. You bring that up because we have normalized so many different diseases and let's just call them sicknesses. You know, we've normalized diabetes. We've normalized hypertension. We've normalized um, many different diseases when our, our bodies weren't created to be that way. Right. So you got to find out what's missing in your life. Um, you know, I mean, same insomnia is the same way. Our bodies were meant to, we were meant to sleep like babies. And I think if ancestrally speaking, you look at what our ancestors did, they slept like babies. They worked hard all day long. And when the sun went down, they went to sleep and they slept hard. And I'm sure there were some, you know, bouts with insomnia, but it was far and few between. So we, we don't have to accept any kind of disease as normal. I mean, because it is reversible, even though our traditional medical system doesn't say it is. 
fully agree with you there. Yes. Yeah. That is. And, and a lot of times, again, if, if a woman goes to her, you know, traditional doctor and complains of insomnia, like there will just be one offer given, which will be, you know, a sleeping pill, but there's so many other ways that women can take care of themselves. And I, I, you know, again, want them to realize like it takes a lot of energy to sleep well. So to ask yourself and do an assessment of your diet, are you getting enough animal protein at regular intervals throughout the day to balance out your blood sugar and make sure that you're creating that cellular energy, you know, are you pushing into rest throughout the day? Like we talked about, like scheduling time off for yourself and doing deep breathing and taking Epsom salt baths and turning off screens, you know, are you getting proper exercise? And that's, you know, one thing we haven't yet touched on, but we've talked about on past episodes, like I see a lot of women who are either exercising way too much and keeping themselves in like a fight or flight state, or they just are so tired that they can't exercise at all. You know, and again, their bodies go into that extreme parasympathetic state where they're almost in like hibernation, you know, and they're, they're gaining weight and they're tired all the time. Their thyroid starts to slow down. They're cold. Um, and they don't have any energy in order to move naturally, to move kind of ancestrally, like lifting heavy things and walking long distances over, you know, the, the period of the day. So proper exercise can absolutely help um, with a good night's sleep. Like Sean, you just said it, you know, our ancestors worked super hard during the day. They were very physical. And as a compensatory mechanism, they slept very deeply at night. You know, we, I have to make myself, like I sit in this darn chair, like a couple hours a day, try to not stay here too long, but you know, I have to put it on my schedule to go out and lift weights to, you know, go on walks by myself and with my dogs and with my husband, you know, like these are things that, um, wouldn't necessarily, they don't happen to me because my life is not set up that way. I have to be really active and planning for those things. So, you know, that's the other thing that women really have to do is make themselves and their functional fitness a priority because it's not just going to happen in our, you know, day to day. So many of us have kind of sedentary jobs. No, you, you definitely have to schedule it. And I will say um, on exercise, don't exercise too late at night. If you no. want your body to be able to sleep and relax, uh-huh. don't exercise too late at night. I, I will tell you, as I get older, that one gets to be more important. Janet and I, 30 years ago, when we go to the gym, we go to the gym at 10 o'clock at night. And, and then we go to bed at 11. I mean, crazy. <laughs> but now it seems like if our workout is not done by seven, our sleep is screwed up. Yeah. No. <laughs> I love that you guys work out together. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It can be fun. Yep. <laughs> Although, <laughs> until you're trying to coach your wife too much, uh-huh. then it might not be too fun. <laughs> There are moments. <laughs> oh man, yep. I, I fully hear you on that, Janet. <laughs> Did I ask you if I wanted you to critique my squat? That's what I told my yeah. husband the other day. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jennifer, as we wind, as we wind this podcast up, what what are some, you know, in, in two sentences, if you wanted. Um, talk about hormones and insomnia, or just insomnia in general for women. That's what we kind of been focused on. How would you sum that up? I would say focus on your health early in the day so you can sleep well at night. Get early morning sun and get the majority of your animal protein containing calories during the day because everything's naturally going to slow down a little bit more at night. So you need to take advantage of your metabolic patterns of your body and your diurnal cortisol pattern to optimize sleep later in the day. Protein and early morning light. I wanted to mention something. Uh, go back on, you know, we were talking about our bodies liking cortisol and I want to just add to that. Our, you know, our bodies get addicted to cortisol because it makes us feel good. It makes us keep going, but our bodies like it until it doesn't like it anymore. Right. 
Mm. And then you're just chronically fatigued because your mm. body can't even produce cortisol. And we've seen those patients. So that's why it's important to take care of these issues before you get there. Yeah, I think people don't realize that. They just want a quick fix. I'm like that too. I'm not judging. I want a yeah. quick fix too. All of us. Yeah. <laughs> it is so, so important to nip it in the bud. And the more people that are listening to shows like yours, they're, they're curious, they're passionate about their own health. They, they want that preventative care. They want that, you know, holistic care. You know, it's important for us to realize like we can prevent a lot of these diseases. We can even prevent something like insomnia that, you know, perimenopausal right. and menopausal women have been told is inevitable. Like it doesn't have to be, we have to put the work in ahead of time you know, in order to mitigate some of those damages down the road. And Jennifer, as always, we thank you for being on the show. If anybody wants to get a hold of you or has any more questions, how, how can they get a hold of you? Yes, I am online at jenniferwoodwardnutrition.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Jennifer Woodward Nutrition. I would love to talk about sleep and perimenopause if anybody has any questions. <laughs> Awesome. I love it. And tune in, listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in today, but uh, tune in Wednesday when we have Dr. Courtney um, Sanfelice on our uh, podcast. She's been on before. She's a pharmacist. She's going to be talking all about cortisol and how we regulate our cortisol. So it's going to be a good show Wednesday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And Jennifer, I so appreciate you being on today. You're, you've helped us realize our goal, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. Very much appreciate it. Awesome. Listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Wednesday to our, regular, to our midweek podcast, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thank you for listening.